Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Davidson lives. Thank you very much for joining us here. Uh, my wife, Jenny, also alongside. How are you? Good evening. Yeah, we're recording this Sunday night because we've been busy with other things. Life. Always life. Uh, but glad to have you on either Spotify or Podbean. And of course, hooking up with us nice and legal like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're recording this a day after a very somber anniversary, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. A lot of tributes yesterday. 20 years already. 20 years. And uh, did post some tributes on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Um, of course, there's a person in the room that's a little too young to remember that because he's only been with us for four months. Logan. Um, but it's it's weird because 20 years ago, to you or me, that event seemed like it happened yesterday. But there are kids going to college that that uh, have ne- that weren't even around when this happened. Yeah, or they really don't remember it. I was uh, thirteen mm-hmm. when September eleventh happened. Yeah. Now, where where were you at? What was going on in your life? I was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I was in middle school, and um, you know, ordinarily I went to school that day. It was one of my classmates' birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we were in history class or something our principal came in and said stop what you're doing i want all of the middle school and high school to meet in the gym right Right. now and we're like oh okay um but a teacher from down the hall said new york has just been attacked yeah and i'm getting chills right now it's just it never stops but um so the middle school and high school went to the gym. Of course, the elementary school showed up for a little bit, but naturally they can't handle a lot of stress that so they just went right. back to their rooms. Um, so we just watched coverage mm-hmm. um, of what was happening in our nation at that time. Right. And um, we were there for maybe about three or four hours just watching news coverage. What else are you going to do? You can't focus on anything else. Well, no. It's it's a very traumatic, very uh, mm-hmm. catastrophic event. Absolutely. And um, I remember it like it was yesterday. Our school's on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one in or out. Right. We would go home at our scheduled time. We didn't have buses, so our parents would pick us up or we would drive home. Mm-hmm. I think my sister drove us home because I think... Yeah. 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 She was a senior, I think, or maybe had just graduated. I can't remember. Yeah, your mom was working uh, at Subaru. Which She's is working at Subaru. Now we're down the road from you guys where, where you guys lived. Yeah, absolutely. And um, my dad was home, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always home. But um, when we got home, mom had called on her way home and said, get gas now. Take all the vehicles because we had the van, the two trucks, mm-hmm. the car. Um, and she said, fuel up now. Because it right. went from like a dollar something to well over $3 a gallon like yeah. that. And it's pretty much uh, remained around that mark yes. since. Yes, it has. Um, but I just remember it being eerily quiet. No mm-hmm. fly zone, no commercial flights. Well, yeah. It was just so eerily quiet. Again, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> but For a week, for a week there was no commercial air traffic. In fact, the NFL had to kick back its season uh, start. Yeah. By a week. Like, everything stopped. Absolutely. You know, it sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. But, um, oh, gosh, it's just, we have the suitcase of uh, important papers and, like, marriage licenses and birth announcements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that day, um, Mom, there was a special edition of the Kokomo Tribune that came out. Right. And Mom put that in the suitcase. 
Yeah, I think I've seen that. We still have it, yeah. It's yeah. up in our closet. So every time I look at that issue, it's just bone chilling. Mm-hmm. And just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it happened. Yeah. It I really was, can't. I mean, it was a shock to a lot of people because uh, mm-hmm. what it took to, uh, you know, to bring down the towers, to attack the Pentagon. And with that fourth plane, I mean that that went down because some courageous passengers. I read a story about that. Over overcame yeah. the. I think that was flight ninety three. Yeah. Uh, it came down in a field in Pennsylvania. Who knows where that would have ended up if they had not done anything? They were thinking it was going to go to the Capitol building. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. They were thinking, but there was a story about a passenger named Todd Beamer who was on the phone with a nine one one and. Mm-hmm. She immediately, the dispatcher immediately got on the phone with the FBI, mm-hmm. and they were talking with them. They're like, "Hey, can you hear us? Okay." He said, "Hold on a second. He said, "We've we've got a plan up here. We're gonna we're gonna take it down." And uh, she, he said the stewardess was gonna pour boiling water on the hijackers, and they were gonna take control of the plane. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that plane crashed in the field in Pennsylvania. But it was it was courageous what they all did. Oh, I know. It's just. Oof! Just yeah. the chills don't stop. They yeah. just don't. Now, when when I was uh, I was at Ball State, and I got back to my my uh, room at four in the morning because I was having trouble getting a project done. And I woke up around seven, called my instructor, and I go, "Hey, can I get this to you tomorrow?" And she goes, "That's fine, but uh, I'm going to knock some points off the project." I said, "That's fine, but I'll get it done to you." So I went to sleep for a mere forty minutes. And I get a knock on my door, and uh, Sam Huff says, "Hey man, you gotta turn on the, <clears throat> you gotta turn on the uh, the news." And I saw smoke coming out of one of the tray towers. So she goes, "Yeah, a plane crashed into it. They don't know what exactly happened." And then the next plane hits, and you get the idea. Okay, this is not a coincidence. This isn't a terrible accident. This it's is, an attack. It's deliberate. And uh, I remember continuing watching this as it all happened. And uh, they were talking to some girl, lady on the street, and they were showing some like weird angle of everything. And then all of a sudden, you see, uh, hear a big, loud rumble and all the smoke, and she starts screaming. I'm thinking, okay, maybe another building someplace got hit. No, it was one of the towers coming down. And it's like, holy crap! And I didn't know what else to do, so um, I went to class. And on the way, somebody were told- a lot of people there. Well, it's, it's, this is where it gets interesting. On the way to, on the way back from class, somebody told me that uh, the second building went down. And this was, uh, my next class was a, a, a TCOM class. And they basically told everybody to go into the big auditorium in the TCOM building. And we were watching the coverage of this unfold. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like that for the next several days. But, sure. the, but the weird thing was, is the only class I missed was the one that I was going to, like, just sleep in through. Mm-hmm. Anyway, regardless of what happened, I went to every class that week. Uh, Ball State itself didn't shut down, but the, the the feeling was okay. If you if you feel uncomfortable with everything that's going on, you don't have to. Rightfully come to, so. Yeah, you don't have to come to class because this is kind of a terrible, horrible thing that's happening right now. Um, Mind you, that Pearl Harbor <laughs> happened what sixty years from that date? Is that right? Nineteen forty one. Yeah, sixty. It's two thousand one. A long time, long time ago. But, yeah. but uh, I remember, I remember Friday being in a, a a drama class, and if if you really want the opinion of somebody who's disconnected from reality, try anybody in a drama class, because th- what this girl said, because the the teacher, he said, okay, I want you to let, open the floor to everybody, let them speak their feelings. 
What this girl said was so breathtakingly insensitive, it could only come from somebody like her. And you were in this drama class? I was in this drama class. Wow. Yeah. I did not see that coming. No. <laughs> Twist. <laughs> um, but uh, but she said that everybody's talking about how bad it is, but you look outside and the sky is clear blue. We don't have air pollution. It's beautiful. Why aren't people you know, taking the opportunity to appreciate this? And I'm like, lady... You say this to one of the families of the 3,000 that just died and see if they share your appreciation. Yeah, no, they don't. No, no, no one no, does. I don't think anyone would agree with her. No. Not one. No. I mean, I don't even know what drugs she was taking. They should have brought out the rotten tomatoes. Oh, my God. They should have. Oh, it was it was terrible. Um, but it just, yeah, I remember looking at the sky and I was like, yeah, it is beautiful, but God, it is scary why it is. <laughs> I didn't say it was beautiful at all. I'm just like, this is weird. I mean, I, I looked up. There was a clear blue sky, mm -hmm. but I knew why it was clear and blue. And I just, there was just this eerie feeling. Yeah. And it wasn't just for that week. It was like months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Kokomo, there's this town called Bunker Hill, which yeah. is, what, 20 minutes north of Gris Kokomo? Grissom. Grissom Air Force yeah. Base. Um, and they were saying that. If there's going to be another attack, it's going to be in Grissom because they got missiles. Really? Yeah. Ah, man, that would have been weird. That yeah. Was scary. Was there an Air Force base near um, Ball State? No. 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 I mean, I, I, I would think that the uh, the closest would be Grissom. Would be Grissom, yeah. But um, I, the, the, the thing that I kind of get from 9-11 20 years on mm -hmm. is that we really haven't learned a damn thing. And it's unfortunately... It's just gotten worse. As, as a millennial, <laughs> yes, September I, 11th really did make me grow up that day. Well, the thing, what make why what I say what I say is I, I think it just said, okay, ever since something like that happened, any little thing that has made anybody, and I don't care if you lean left, right, or whatever, it's made people a little more paranoid and if they can find an opportunity to control a situation, they will. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, you had uh, electronic surveillance on uh, citizens here. You had regulations on the how big of a tube of toothpaste you can bring onto an airplane. Well, Hel mind you that the plane was brought down by just like three box cutters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but all that happened. And then you look at today with all the restrictions with COVID. Mm-hmm. And how people are, you know, and I don't want to say that, it, you know, COVID's a conspiracy or anything like that because I don't send out chain emails. But the, the thing is, the thing is, is like everybody just wants to control every aspect of your life. Like they want to know your health. They want to know every aspect of your health. They want to know where you've been. And when I look back at 9-11, mm -hmm. I kind of see that as where we're at right now. And I'm just wondering what big instance next is going to lead to people wanting to know more about you, even if even if you aren't a criminal. Yeah, besides voluntarily giving the information. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, someone my age has been through 9-11, Great Recession, Great mm -hmm. Recession again. It was a double-dip recession. Right. Um, tech bubbles, housing bubbles, and I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> But but I do I do want to give a shout out to all first responders, yes, sir. all all medical professionals, all firefighters, policemen, EMTs, military, armed forces, everybody, 
Past, present, and future. Who keep this country safe, and maybe one day we'll get it and learn to trust each other a little more. But uh, yeah, to, to those that lost their lives September uh, 11th, nine, uh, 2001, you're not forgotten by a long shot. So absolutely not. Now I don't, I don't. This is kind of an awkward transition because I wouldn't say this. It's more, from one bad thing to another. <laughs> well, from one horrific thing to something not quite as horrific. But still, one bad thing to another. <laughs> I feel. <coughs> Pardon. Uh, all right. Yeah, a cupcake went down the wrong pipe. Uh, <laughs> you tried to start this podcast, and I'm like, I'm still eating. I know. Those are good uh, cupcakes. But uh, uh, I finally got around to watching not once but twice the Netflix docker Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. And uh, there's there's some things about it that piss me off. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Language. But, uh, well, I mean, it's my podcast, boy. Um, so... Basically, if you don't know who Bob Ross is, uh, first of all, congratulations on uh, getting out from underneath that rock. Uh, but, I mean, he was basically a rock star for PBS. Like, I, I knew who he was when I was a kid. You know, I was like, okay, yes. it's, it's that quiet guy that painted. But yeah. when when you look at the impact he's had pop culture-wise, 30-plus years after his death, it's amazing. Um, but like they showed footage of him in Central Park back in the late '80s for some the uh, art show thing, and he was just getting art in the park, art in the park, and he was getting mobbed by people. Not 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 in a bad way, but they just wanted to be around him. Oh my gosh! And he was he was digging it, and like I was just like, holy crap, this guy. Not to sound, uh, what's it called? Um, oh gosh, no, like I can't remember what the term of it is, but. Sounds like Jesus. Okay, <laughs> not not to make it sound like a cult. But no, it, there it's like a word. It starts with an H, but I can't remember what. It was. Right, right. But but he's, but you know he 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 built a name for himself in a way, and then unfortunately he died of cancer uh, back in 1995. He was only he was only 52. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of gives insight to who he was and how he approached things, and there were some very brilliant things about him. Like for instance, he knew that. Uh, his audience was predominantly female, and so he would talk low and soft, and he was very, very, like... Try your best Bob Ross voice right now. Just caress it, caress it, touch it, tease it, stretch it. And that's how I got pregnant, everyone. And that's how I, she got pregnant. I was wearing the Bob Ross wig, and... Uh, <laughs> but, like, he was basically a soft rock DJ. I mean, like he he had the the approach down in everything. He knew what he was doing on camera. He knew what he was doing on the canvas. Tremendous showman. And um, he was in the right profession. He was in the right profession. Um, but he was also funded by a family called the Kowalskis. This couple out of Florida, who financed his business dealings. And uh, when he was getting close to his deathbed, uh, they were basically doing all they could to pretty much take his name screw away. him over screw him over yeah so the bob ross incorporated so if you have any bob ross memorabilia in your house chances are you're financing the kowalskis good job everyone yeah but nobody knew that nobody no. knew that because you're just like oh, well i like bob ross he's cool Why it's would? just like yeah it's, yeah oh, oh this is what happened no and yeah. it looks like steve still lives in muncie is that yeah. right well uh, i think his uh okay yeah there's uh his son steve uh who i think she, he actually lives down in florida um his friend dana dana lives in muncie dana lives in muncie right but but steve and um and uh dana were basically his compadres they were all, all on the road they were all doing art demonstrations and i think bob wanted 
Steve to take the uh, the reins to the joy of painting throne, if you will. Uh, but that wasn't meant to be. And of course, uh, he died in '95. He um, married a nurse months before the hospital that he was getting treatment at. And um, I think what he wanted to do was set it up so that the Kowalskis wouldn't screw his kid out of money, but somehow it all falls apart. And uh, what what happened was the Kowalskis sued his third wife. They wanted everything Bob personally owned in terms of art, like anything, any art brushes, any palettes, any, any painting hanging up in his own friggin' home they wanted, which I found to be pretty... That's low. It's friggin' low. Very low. Um, and so they went after her, and, you know, she's a private citizen. She, you know, and they're just making her life miserable. And then, you know, Steve, I think he wanted to pursue his own line of product. Uh, I don't know if he really has the same name recognition as his old man, but, I mean, he wanted to do his own thing. But he the sounds thing, just like him. He does sound like him. But my dad looks more like Bob Ross. Right. But uh, Picture included. Picture included. Well, yeah, we'll put that up at the podcast and let you think if uh, if that the resemblance is uncanny or not. Um, but Steve, regardless, wanted to pursue his own line, do his own thing. But the the, the way the Kowalskis carry on, it's almost like they own the last name Ross. I know. And uh, they have a crappy last. So name. they they had to sue. So uh, the thinking was that that both Dana and Steve had to sue the Kowalskis before they sued him, them. So that he can launch this, and of course that lawsuit falls apart because it turned out his old man Bob set up a trust that was going to be for Steve. Uh, there was it was a, a I think it was like a fifty one forty nine percent controlling interest. Like Steve had forty nine percent controlling interest, fifty one percent went to Bob's dopey half brother, the unspoken villain of the uh, of the uh, documentary. Uh, what was his brother's name? Jimmy Cox. Jimmy Cox. What a suiting last name. And Jimmy, of course, was approached with a lawsuit and decided to sue the, sign the entire damn trust. He tr just rolled over. And he rolled over and signed the entire damn trust over to the Kowalskis. And I'm just thinking, man, if anybody's ever going to screw you over hard, it's going to be family. Mm -hmm. And I just I felt really bad for his son. But I got thinking. Because he didn't even know. He didn't know. He didn't know until uh, he was trying to sue them, and, and now he's got nothing. And I mean, he's got his talent, and that's the one cool thing about the uh, the docu series. <coughs> uh, cupcake. Um, yeah, he did just see a cupcake. Yeah. Actually, he's still eating it. I am still eating it. Um, but you know, it shows how good his son is. It's not like one of these Pete Rose Jr. things where it's like, my dad's famous, and I'm talented too. Look, I drew a stick with two boobs on it. You know that, <laughs> like his son. <laughs> His son can draw. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> but but he, but his son can draw really nice mountains. Cape is what I'm getting at. Mountains. <laughs> mountains. Boom. Yeah, nice nice range there, dude. Uh, but he's he's got <laughs> talent, and it was it was just kind of nice to see him. And of course, uh, uh, Bob Ross's old colleague Dana is still out there teaching. He just people. looks like a Hoosier. Dana, yeah. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. I met him at the Monty Mall. You went, yeah. I've been there before. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it's a very interesting docu series. But if you want to uh, check it out again, it's on Netflix. Bob Ross. Shameless plug. No, I, you know, I, I was thinking though after watching this and how ruthless the Kowalskis are and everything, 
they need to renew this war and they need one person to go after the Kowalskis and that one person ladies and gentlemen Joe Exotic Joe Exotic I was going I thought you were going to say Michael Corleone well that would be nice but uh, no Joe Exotic man just have him start talking crap about the the Kowalskis guess what mother you know yeah, I would. <laughs> a man without fear is a man with nothing to lose. Yeah, the Tiger King. That's who he is. Tiger King after the Kowalskis. Uh, but that documentary, uh, Bob Ross. I'm still thinking about the boob thing. Bob Ross, happy exit. Yes, Mike, boobs are funny. <laughs> Betrayals and other stuff. Uh, and boobs. And boobs. Betrayals and boobs. Betrayals and boobs on Netflix. <laughs> Go look for that, why don't you? All right. Um, you want to know how you got the water out? I don't think I'll tell you that. Listen, no. let me tell you something. Okay, now we're going into uh, Firefest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so uh, going from that to things that people are supposed to do and they're getting paid to do. What? Okay, and, and these are two two different cities, two different scenarios, but the concept is the same, and it makes me wonder how long we have until I need to start jarring my own urine and digging a hole in the backyard to wait things out. Because in San Francisco, they've started up a pilot program where they will pay 10 at-risk people money not to shoot other people. <laughs> I'm smiling because I like the idea. <laughs> I don't know if... Yeah, that's... that's like, wow. Wow. So if you can, pretty please, we'll pay you. Obey the law. Shit, I'm on my way. Give me a plane ticket. Uh, yeah, I identify as a violent San Franciscan. Do you want my routing number or do you want my mailing address, right? <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Just send me a wire. And then in Baltimore, uh, because there's a bus driver shortage, they are offering to pay parents, parents of their own kids, $250 stipend to drive their own kids to school. Should, should we move? Uh, because Baltimore's a paradise. I can't wait to go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, it's too close to New Jersey for me. Uh, but these are things you're supposed to do. You're yeah, spo- you are. You're supposed to be a parent, and you're not supposed to. What the sh- hell? You're not supposed to shoot somebody in the face. <laughs> if I'm gonna go to prison, it's for that. <laughs> what driving somebody to school? No, shooting someone in the oh face. Oh my god! I mean, I have a few ideas. Oh my god! I um, I just I don't know what to make of this man, and I we've gotten really lazy. Yeah, we have. We have. We really have. Go to work. Yeah, and I'm wondering what the next pilot program is going to be. We'll give you $300 a month if you actually give your kids food. You know? Oh, man, if it gets Hazel to eat. Oh, my God. She'll eat library books left and right. Yeah, she will. But, I mean, that's just a a sign that we've failed at everything. You know, like, we're, we're failing to communicate to people, hey, be responsible for yourself and your family, and if you do that, we might get through this okay. No, we're we're bribing people to do things they're supposed to friggin' do. Yeah, it's it kind of reminds me of, we'll pay you to stay at home and don't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, it's it's a little nutty out there. Yeah, it's a little nutty in here too. It is also uh, a little loud downstairs. Oh, is uh, is that Logan? That is Logan screaming his head off. Okay. I guess we should drive him to school and get paid. Okay. Do you want to look at him right now or what? 
Okay, well, she's uh, Jenny's off to take care of her son, which means I have to pretty much uh, wrap up this podcast on my lonesome. And it's just one more story here involving a contract, not involving the Kowalskis or anything Bob Ross related, but still something a little bit on the scary side. And by scary side, I'm glad I'm not this dude. Uh, this is according to Barstool Sports. Uh, by the way, we do have it linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. A girlfriend drew up a 17-page relationship contract with her boyfriend in just two weeks after they met on Tinder, demanding he pay for date nights, which, okay, that's not bad, because most guys pay for dates anyway, right? Buying her flowers twice a month and working out five times a week. 17-page contract. Annie met her boyfriend, Michael, last October after deciding he was her person and agreed to be exclusive soon after that. Determined to make the relationship work after having her boundaries crossed in a previous toxic relationship. Yeah, nothing cures toxicity more than a 17-page contract. (laughs) 21-year-old Annie joked that she should write down their terms and conditions for dating, and the law student Michael agreed eagerly. He's a law student, and he's getting into this contract thinking that this relationship's going to end hunky-dory. It's cute, right? Um, I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if you're in a similar, similar situation, guy or gal, straight or gay. I don't care. If, if you're in any sort of relationship like this, my advice to you is run away, you son of a bitch, and never look back. Seriously. Um, you know, I'm no expert on anything, really. Um, the, when it comes to the battle of the sexes, I could tell you guys, yeah, we have our hangups. Women, guess what? You do too. We're all neurotic in our own individual ways. When you get together with another person, you try to feel each other out, you know, when you're not feeling each other up. And you kind of get a sense of who that person is and whether or not you're compatible with them. There's no legal contract that's going to make that relationship healthy. What's going to make it healthy is pretty much if you guys tolerate each other or not. And if the girl is coming to you with a 17-page contract, run the hell away. I think that's pretty much it. Ending this just a little bit early because I don't want to hammer too much. I I need somebody to roll their eyes at me when uh, I'm saying something stupid. And unfortunately, that pair of eyes downstairs right now. Uh, But we'll be at it again next week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything, reach out on Twitter, Facebook, and of course, you can always listen to the podcast, Podbean, or on Spotify. For everyone, my wife, my crying son downstairs, I'm Mike. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later.